0: This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best-kept secrets on campus, The Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of housemade meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, The Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here.
1: So, I think ideally, I would just talk about um, you know that i'm a a visitor to this territory since two thousand three and along with my uh, my daughter and my my partner and their families um, you know honor those or attempt to honor those relationships uh, that the uh, Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanich First Nations have to this territory and to the waters of this area as well and in a sense um, you know have responsibility for my actions and accountability for my actions while I'm here and whatever that might look like and so and uh, as well this this is a long drawn out territorial acknowledgement but as well um keeping in mind that um, how my actions could benefit the land and the community, and that this is about relationship to land and, and water. And so how do we honor and nurture those responsibilities uh, to this place, uh, and especially to honor the relationships that, that uh, Songhees Esquimalt and and wasanish peoples have to this place so I need a more eloquent hey no that's good <laughs> that, I feel like
2: as long as you're saying something that's you know from your heart that's half the battle I well
1: think. yeah I think and I, so this would be another interesting thing to think about is what if people threw away the script and just kind of stumbled through it like I just did and kind of um, some interesting things might come out of that
2: Welcome to You in the Ring, a podcast broadcast from and about the University of Victoria on CFUV 101.9 FM on the Coast Salish territories of the Songhees and Husanich people. I'm your host, Elizabeth Volus. This episode is about territorial acknowledgements at UVic. It's a critical look at why we do them and how to make sure territorial acknowledgements are not only meaningful, but that they incite a dialogue and become a precursor to action. What you just heard was a territorial acknowledgement spoken by Associate Professor of Indigenous Studies at UVic.
1: And I'll introduce myself in Cherokee to start off. Uh, so my name is Jeff Corntassel. My Cherokee name is Gano Holido.
2: For those who don't know... A territorial acknowledgement is a statement that acknowledges the indigenous group whose land we're on. Acknowledging the people who own that land also acknowledges that it was stolen from the indigenous peoples through colonization and cultural genocide. It's a political act and statement meant to advocate systematic change to improve the relations with indigenous people. But it's more than just that. Here's Robbie Lewis to give it in his own words.
3: I am Robbie Lewis. I am the Cultural Protocol Liaison in the Indigenous Academic Mm -hmm. Community Engagement Department. Territorial Acknowledgements. It's a big part of taking care of our land, taking care of our ancestors, taking care of what was left behind from our ancestors. You know, when I think about a territorial acknowledgement, I'm acknowledging the ones that left left us this precious gift. To me that the land was it's always told that we have to be humble, be be true to who we are, be be taking care of one another because no matter what we do, this is that's where we're going to end off is in the earth and uh, our ancestors sacrificed a lot for us they they taught us a lot of how to live off the land to live to live off different resources to to provide different things such as you know it could go as far as you know roots as far as cedar bark as far as willow bark as far as stinging nettle you know everything's provided off the land and our ancestors fought for for that so we could have something today something to give us as as little as a root as little as you know it's it may be little but it's it's for who we are it's it's our resources. It's our it's our and our life.
4: You know, with the truth and reconciliation, everybody's saying that the truth has to come first. The truth is the most important part.
2: That last speaker was Steve from the Native Students Union.
4: My name's Stephen Farina. I'm a law student here at UVic in my second year. I'm the NSU Advocacy Coordinator. I'm also the Law Student Society Uh, Indigenous Law Students Association representative, and I'm also the vice president of the Métis Nation of Greater Victoria. And the truth of territorial acknowledgements and us being here is that we're here uninvited. We never asked for permission to come here. We never got permission to come here, largely. I can't speak for everybody. So what we're acknowledging is that we're here as uninvited guests
3: Robbie again. I respect that the university acknowledges our, our First Nations communities now and in the past and in the future, because it acknowledges on what part of what big part of this area was for, for our ancestors, acknowledges what big part it is now for our community. It acknowledges on how much of a big part it is going to continue to be for our future generation so it being uh, a village site before or a campsite before for fishing because we followed the fish to being a university now and taking care of our community and to continue taking care of our community. so past present and future
2: so although it's an important first step in decolonization. There's a feeling at UVic among students and faculty alike that territorial acknowledgements are often done simply because they're what they're supposed to do and not because they're interested in starting a dialogue on indigenous resurgence, sovereignty, or decolonization. Here's Dr. Corn
1: I think territorial acknowledgements... Um If I'm being super honest, I think they've gotten a bit stale on campus. They've gotten a bit status quo. People now kind of cut and paste their own territorial acknowledgements, and they repeat them as uh, without any life or inflection or, I don't know, deeper thought.
2: Here's Steve again.
1: At the NSU, I don't know that we
4: do territorial acknowledgements. We do more maybe like a what you could call a territorial commitment. So we're not just acknowledging that we're here. We're committing to being here in a good way and to presenting ourselves and acting in accordance with local ways of being and traditions. So that, to me personally, is the direction it should be taken in and I don't really see that much on campus it's more of an empty checkbox thing
5: like it just doesn't mean anything that's my friend Maggie my name's Maggie Easton I'm Mi'kmaq on my father's side from Wegema, Nova Scotia um yeah and my mom is Irish so I am half Mi'kmaq half Irish
2: can you say your name in Mi'kmaq?
5: Magid? Like, introduce myself? Yeah, I
2: love when you do
5: it.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm talking about.
5: <laughs> She's a
2: student here at UVic studying linguistics.
5: I've heard people say it at the beginning of presentations. Like, students say it be- at the beginning of presentations, and they've been like, um, yeah, we just want to acknowledge that this takes place, blah, blah, blah. And, I don't know, it feels like It's hard to explain, like, because I knew the students who were doing it, so I, like, I knew that they were just kind of doing it to sound like (laughs) they were so woke, and I'm like, wow. But I don't know, like, it's not just a political move or, like, a social move to, like, let people know, oh, look at me, like, I care about Indigenous peoples. I'm so good. (laughs) But... (laughs) Most of the time, like, I really hate it when people do, like, territorial acknowledgments that are meaningless because it just, it feels like my identity is being used as a, like, political piece. (laughs) Do you think
2: they're important and critical to the school? Territorial?
5: Yeah. Territorial acknowledgments. Yeah. No, I think it's an empty gesture that the school does because it's easier than doing meaningful actions of reconciliation. But, again... Like, would you say that to Dr. Corn Tassel? No, because he's a respected scholar. Because it's easy to say, oh, look, we can say these five words at the beginning of something, and it's means that we're good, and we're not racist anymore. Love it. You know, UVic edge. But planting quite well, oh, that's something that people are going to see, and it's a lot of work, and no. You know what I mean? I do. Like, they are... I think that UVic takes the easy way when it comes to indigenous... like when it comes to reconciliation but at the same time they do a lot more than other schools do in all honesty it's just that it's not enough and I don't know when it will be enough
2: so how can we make our territorial acknowledgements more than an empty platitude it feels like being provided a script of how a TA should go is constraining it doesn't mean anything if we just read a quote off a sheet Acknowledging the territory we're on really means acknowledging our relationship to the land. We need to be acknowledging the land we are standing on. That's all around us. The practices that the local indigenous people have used and continue to use in order to honor and protect the land we call home. We need to acknowledge who we are and how we got here. I understand for some listeners, you might be looking at your family tree and realize that your family has deep roots in Canada, and your ancestors might have played a part in colonization, and colonialism is ongoing, but it's okay if it makes you uncomfortable. Here's Dr. Tassel.
1: So, uh, yeah, I don't have any great answer for overcoming fear other than, you know, uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable, and it's also okay to... To express things because, or to ask questions because you've heard the old adage, probably ten other people have that same question, but are afraid to ask. Yeah. And so, uh, exerting that kind of leadership is really important, and it's going to be something you you can't necessarily get on Google, right, or through, you know, through an online app, right. It's going to be something that is going to come through experience. And I think most importantly, having Having the courage to be uncomfortable uh, and having the courage to engage more deeply in these things, despite that discomfort. At its best, a territorial acknowledgement makes space for a conversation to occur. You know, where someone raises their hand after someone says the the, uh, territorial acknowledgement and says, what does that mean for this class? And that's a beautiful question. What does that mean?
2: I just think that a lot of kids are, like, scared to ask that because, like, because there's so many resources, like, online to look up things. Or, like, they're worried that they're going to be, like, seen as, like, uneducated or, like, not woke for mm, knowing okay. that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I feel like a lot of kids are, like, like scared to ask those questions. Like, oh, you sure. don't know what you're saying? Like, what are you asking? Like,
1: Sure. No, I can understand that. And I think... I think, um, you know, understanding or having a deeper investment in this place will maybe take some of that fear away and saying, look, I'm here for four years or longer, you know, six, eight years, who knows, right? And so I'm here in this place, um, getting back to that earlier question, kind of who am I, (laughs) which is, you know, the old meaning of the university is where you go to find your place in the universe. That's the old kind of medieval notion, right? And so I like, I like that idea of where we go to find our place in the universe. Well, we're in this place in the universe for a reason, and we're here on someone else's territory. So if we're finding our place, we also have to acknowledge and understand the deeper history of this place. And, and then how can we benefit the land and the community, not just ourselves?
2: This discomfort, it's not just something non-Indigenous people experience. Maggie also recognizes this fear and has gotten into some uncomfortable conversations herself.
5: It's like it goes for Indigenous peoples, too. So I was this summer talking to um, a boy who's like part Niska, and he mentioned just something in passing about, you know, a Niska story. And I was like, oh, what's that? Like, I've never heard that. And he kind of got, like, a little, like, uncomfortable that I had asked. Like, he didn't know how to tell me. But he was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I, I can't share that. It's not mine to share. And I was like, oh, no, no, of course. But, like, we were both kind of uncomfortable. So I can only imagine how uncomfortable a non-Indigenous person would feel if they, like, tried to ask about something to do with, like, Indigenous cultures or anything like that. And they were told that they couldn't hear about it. But I don't know. Like, it's just the way it is like not everything's meant to be shared like you wouldn't share your grandma's super secret baklava (laughs) recipe you
2: you know what really off the record (laughs) she would give the recipe to people and take ingredients out because she didn't want anyone's to be as good as hers yeah yeah i know i was like dang b (laughs) so now it actually is a secret recipe
5: (laughs) so yeah
2: okay yeah, on a much smaller scale. Also, I feel like a lot of, like I didn't I, actually I did. But like, I don't think a lot of people understand that there's like some things that aren't public knowledge like that. That's supposed to stay in your yeah. community. So they're gonna be like, Oh, like, they were so rude. They wouldn't tell me like their great ancestral secret. like <laughs> You, you know?
5: know, that scene in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> We're, no yeah in twilight where bella and jacob are like walking down the like beach yeah yeah she wants to find out why the cullens aren't allowed to go to the reservation and she's like hey what did that guy mean back there by the cullens don't come here and he was like um i'm not really supposed to talk about it and then she like fake flirts with him so that he'll tell her and she was like she was like hey i can keep a secret and he was like um basically it's just like an old scare and then he told her like the sacred <laughs> Quillyute knowledge that's like fake Quillyute knowledge it's not real <laughs> but i don't know like in that situation bella should have gone, oh that's not my knowledge to have just- anyway jacob how's school <laughs>
2: This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best-kept secrets on campus, The Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, The Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here. It's that focus on benefiting the land and community that's so important, actually forming relationships with the local community whose land we're on. Here's Steve again.
4: I don't want to push a pan-Indigenous perspective or anything like that, but it's so important for so many Indigenous people. Or Sorry, what's so important to so many Indigenous people is relationships. Um, whether it's interpersonal relationships, relationship with the land, relationship with their ancestors, um, oftentimes everything comes down to relationships. So I think what's more important than any sort of spoken acknowledgement at the start of something is fostering strong relationships. For me, I'm not from here. I'm a prairie matey. I grew up in Treaty 7 Territory in Alberta, so I'm not an authority in these parts. I grew up in Blackfoot Territory, I'm not an authority there either, but... um, So, yeah. The local people know themselves. So that's, I guess, where you have to start. There's probably lots of students come do their 4 years or however long they're at UVic without actually ever speaking to a Songhees or a Squamish person or and then that's interesting if you're doing your territorial acknowledgments and going through that process throughout your 4 years without having any direct contact or relationship with the people that you're acknowledging.
5: Last year I went to like a singer or something in the sub and at the beginning they like had they want to do like a territorial acknowledgment. I'm like at the time I was like that's like a little bit dumb. Like this <laughs> random singer who's here, but I'm like okay, whatever. But they actually got someone who was I think he might have been from the Songhees Nation. Oh. But which is much, much more meaningful to have someone who's from this land to to do it. And so even just having him totally changed it. But then when he went up, he said, you know, we don't do territorial acknowledgements in our culture. Oh. Well, like, you don't. You don't go up and say, this is so-and-so's land or this is my land. So he said, you know, that's not something that we really do, especially on your own land, because <laughs> you're not going to go up and remind everyone that this is your <laughs> land. That's kind of weird. So he did a prayer instead, and that's the like that's the difference is it was coming from his heart and he was praying for, you know, like connection between everyone on the land.
2: Here's Colin from the NSU.
6: So my name is Colin Sutherland Wilson, and uh, I am a geography and environmental studies student in my third year here at UVic. And I am currently the firekeeper of the Native Student Union. Definitely, that point where you refer to the local people—that's that's that's so important. Like I'm from Gixan territory, so I'm also a guest on these lands. But I know that you know anyone who comes to my home territory. You know, I would expect a certain amount of, uh, I guess how would I put it, a certain amount of thoughtfulness on their part in regards to learning our protocol and understanding our history and who we are and how we relate to that land. And I would expect the same of myself when I come to another person's territory.
2: So territorial acknowledgements are about fostering a genuine connection to the land itself. Here's Maggie.
5: Like at home... To, like, to my people, to Mi'kmaq people, eels are really important. That's awesome! I have no clue. Eels, gado, gado is eel, and they are my favorite food.
2: <laughs> I've had one before. I think
5: they're really good. Um, but like, eel is like uh celebration food it's something that you have at celebrations it's something that you serve elders like it's really really important and eel skin could be used for the bottom of moccasins eel oil could be used for all sorts of things like for medicine and for food and you know when it came to the eel like spears were like and still are made to catch the eel so that's one like craft and one community activity like that's connected to the eel i feel like that's really hard it is really hard, and there's, like, there's different spears for, like, summer or winter eels, because the eels are different, and mm-hmm. anyway, but, and then, like, you go out, and you, and that's eel, eel fishing is how I learned the, like, the teaching of, um, which is you don't take more than is yours, you don't take more than you need, and because there's not as many eels anymore because of industrialization, and but anyway, like, the connection that indigenous people, like, Mi'kmaq people have to eels is really, like, intrinsic and, like, obvious to us, but to a non-indigenous person in Nova Scotia who doesn't have any connection connection to the Mi'kmaq community, like, I don't know, they might just be like, oh, eel, hmm. you know, and they might think it's cool, like, that there are eels in the lakes, but... I don't know. I think when you can understand that connection to the people who are from that land, then it, it like it makes it more meaningful.
2: I think it's like fair to learn. I don't think that you know you have to learn every nation's yeah. like special thing, but I feel like where you live, you should.
5: Like exactly. The 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 Quetlaw, like the the camas. It's I only learned about that this year in Me Indigenous too. Studies class. And I thought that was really amazing. I know, I learned about it literally like
2: three hours ago <laughs> and I'm very shocked. The quetla we're talking about is camas, a vital food source for the indigenous people of this land.
5: The plants don't exist in a vacuum of, we are just here in the city and this is, no, these plants have
2: a huge, huge history. importance,
5: yeah. huge like connection, like they are like linked to indig- the indigenous peoples of this land, like. Because I feel like
2: it's such a, an easy way for a student to become inv- like involved and like learn a deeper meaning by pulling out the invasive species i i don't know i was just shocked that like everything seems like it needs to be so hard or so big and like no
5: it doesn't like Indigenous resurgence should be a part of everyone's life. And I'm not saying, like, you know, there are, like, settler people who are, like, worried that, like, if we, like, let the natives have their land back, they're going to kick us out. No, we can't. So (laughs) you're here to stay and so are we. So we might as well all just get along. Aside from taking individual
2: actions to educate and orient yourself on this land, what steps could an institution like UVic take to make their territorial acknowledgements more meaningful than a quick few sentences at the beginning of a class or event? This is Steve from the NSU.
4: So I think for the school and for classes, there has to be that educational piece on local tradition and the local peoples and how to be
1: with them.
2: Here's Dr. Corntassel.
1: I think taking their lead from um, from other elders or from other knowledge keepers in community would be a great start. Incorporating readings uh, around the territory, the history of the territory. So if you're doing wildlife biology, for example, why not bring in something about the the saltwater people, right? And the nature of those relationships. Um, educating folks about and bringing and prioritizing people from this territory in the classroom and prioritizing teachings from the from this territory in, in the class. And so bringing in not only guest speakers, but also bringing people out to the land and the water so they can understand some of those relations. Of course, we have to be invited, right? And so part of it for me is developing good relationships. And so I have good relationships with folks in Sartlip and Songhees.
4: Largely, it goes back to colonial practices of our
1: history, forcing
4: First Nations people onto reserves. So they're out of of sight, out of mind sort of thing. And although there's more travel and exposure in a sense, there's still a huge disconnect. And that's really on the visitors here you can't expect the local people to be putting in all of this work of welcoming and Mm -hmm. integrating people into their lands. It's really up to visitors to be, to take on that task and people say, Oh, well, how do I do that? It's so much work. And yeah, it is hard and it is a lot of work and it's not super clear. A lot of the times how to proceed in it, but it's kind of, our obligation as visitors to do that work
2: like do you think it's better that someone says it to create dialogue even if it's like kind of stale and like like not disrespectful Well, kind of disrespectful to do that but you know just is it better for them to say it to create dialogue or is it worse that they're just saying it with like not exactly good intentions
1: i think it's worse when it's when it's done with it uh in an anti-dialogical way whatever that looks like yeah so i i can't speak for everyone who does it right so if someone's doing it and closing off conversation right away um or doesn't allow that conversation to extend further then i think that's anti-dialogical it's anti-conversation it's anti uh you know it's not it's not in the spirit of decolonization.
2: I asked Dr. Korntassel if sticking the territorial acknowledgement in the syllabus between the plagiarism policy and the classroom expectations affected the creation of dialogue. Because it just seems like another thing to check off a list when starting a class.
1: Sure. Uh, It depends. Yeah, maybe this is where it's situated in the syllabus. It tells us something. If it's situated right up front, and you know, I have it in my syllabus, so I'm thinking of you know ways that i'm ways that I'm using it, but I like to think of it as I'm situated up front, so people recognize that the syllabus that, as it's been constructed, has been constructed with this in mind, right so I have made every effort to have local voices right indigenous voices that and i I'm lucky I get to teach in indigenous studies, so I teach you know indigenous you know courses but so that I have local voices, I have readings from the people of this territory. I have different ways of engaging um, that go beyond that acknowledgement. I think if it stops there, I guess it's okay for now. Uh, you know, it's. It, I think of it as kind of a holding place or holding pattern, but too many people get stuck in that holding pattern, right? Of of just putting it on there, and that's the the sum total of the thought that's gone into it. And, you know, I I think of, you know, so Cherokee elder, late Benny Smith, told me, um, he said, our spirituality has become compartmentalized. You know, so elders are brought in to do prayer at the beginning of a meeting, and then they proceed as if nothing happened. And so I think in that same realm, you know, we're spiritual people. And so the territorial acknowledgement has to be, has a spiritual element to it, it has a political element, it has an emotional element, you know, it has all these different elements to it. And I think we have to, if we're truly taking it in that spirit, we have to honor all those elements in our subsequent conversations, in our courses. Of course, I realize that that's a work in progress. So no one's going to be able to do that right away. I don't feel like I fulfilled that, that responsibility.
2: Territorial acknowledgements are only the beginning the statement itself serves to start a conversation about how decolonization and the relationship to the indigenous community whose land we're on can be incorporated into a class or event. Here's Colin from the NSU.
6: So yeah, usually when we open up a, with the a territorial acknowledgement, we'll mention that with this knowledge comes responsibility like we we have a duty to uh, to to assist the local people here and in that case the the Huseinich and the Lekwungen, with uh, with what they want as a people by honoring their way of life and being respectful of the fact that we're guests on this land, so that could mean uh, contributing to decolonization, maybe supporting them in uh, in regaining access to territory, helping them with reclaiming land, uh, bringing up the history of what happened here, trying to promote critical thinking amongst your peers, uh, amongst faculty, even your teachers, kind of questioning a lot of the things people will say about Indigenous people and just overall trying to uh, make those connections and relationships within community. Like I, I think that's very important. Like uh, territory acknowledgement is just the first step. Like it's it's definitely not the end of the process. That's uh, just acknowledging the fact that you know you have work to do if you want to be on this land in a good way.
1: I think the way it's manifested today is it's it's kind of a you know we think of decolonization as kind of a a main emphasis of decolonizing our diets decolonizing the institutions uh, and it's really stripping away those uh, I guess those settler values stri- stripping away those settler uh, I guess institutions or or um, even words um, from the landscape so that indigenous peoples can reclaim and in a sense uh, research on their own territory and on their own waterways so uh, it's resurgence is kind of a recentering of the community in the discussion, so you know focusing on the community uh, needs for you know uh, restoration of our health and well-being ultimately and restoration of those relationships that make us healthy and so it starts with that kind of simple idea, and then a lot of other communities and a lot of other folks have have taken it into. Uh, different realms, but i think if I think as long as folks understand that the territorial acknowledgement is just a starting point it's not and it's an invitation to a deeper conversation it's not It's not the end of your responsibility or your obligation it's just the beginning, and you know it's these kind of daily acts of resistance and what we might call resurgence that really lead the uh, lead the way in terms of, I guess, training the future generations how to, to honor their relationships.
2: In your opinion, what are those, like, everyday acts?
1: I think a big one is, for me, language. So speaking the language, that's why I started off today uh, speaking Cherokee because I'm not a fluent speaker, but I try to speak a little bit with my daughter each day. So, you know, I'll say, you know, sio doi ju you know which just means hello how are you but in a deeper sense it has those those meanings of sio you know o is a longer version uh are you upright right are you healthy uh doi ju doi has it in it kind of peace or harmony are you harmonious right are you living according to the pace of nature so even deeper than saying how are you i'm actually asking a whole host of questions right and so I think understanding or having a deeper understanding of the language, but also just speaking it every day. There's no, you know, you're giving breath to your ancestors, right? Um, you know, to the the language of your ancestors. So it's really, I think it's really important, even if it's just a few words, even if it's just a phrase, to honor that and to build on that, right? To build that up. Uh, so I think language is a really important aspect of this um, of resurgence, and then I think you know it's all encompassing. It's it has to start and kind of um, it has start starts with their relationships to the land and the water. So whatever those look like, if you're on your home territory, that's going to look a lot different than me. For example, I'm not on I'm on Likwangan and Wasanich territory, and so I have to honor that. Um, you know those community relationships that already exist, and I guess walk quietly uh but also walk with um kind of uh, a thought of how is my time here going to benefit the land and the community of the people
2: here's colin
6: so uh i can think of one relevant example in my experiences here in victoria is uh there's a place called todd inlet and that's that's a very sacred place to the Satanic people and and there's been a lot that's happened there in recent history. And I, I think there was a limestone and cement factory. And you know, as a result, that land used to have a lot of grouse, but the grouse have left and currently there's a shooting range there. And uh so there's constant noise and it's doubtful that the the grouse will return under present conditions. And in the meantime, a lot of the local people are working there to uh restore the ecosystem by removing plants and invasive species so they're directly uh maintaining and and working to uh i guess revitalize this very special part of their territory and uh and you know they're always looking for volunteers and people who can follow them and like a locally led initiative that works with reconnecting them to the land like maybe that's that could be an introduction
1: let's go deeper let's go deeper into you know what are the indigenous relationships to this place and how do we re uh, revisit those but also restore those in some ways um you know why can't we have a, a camas garden right in the middle of campus and why can't we have you know the um the place names and the family names right? All, all throughout campus.
2: Have you talked to like anybody at school about that before?
1: Uh, we've been in some conversations. Um, and I remember it was a few years ago, there was a guerrilla gardening movement. And so folks were, were digging up the, the, the front lawn there and <laughs> putting in canvas and things like that. It was, I was highly contentious and the university was not pleased. Um, and so that's still ongoing. That's the but I, I see really positive signs. You know, Pit Cook's held on campus and you know, the First People's House is a hub of I'd say resurgence activity. So, you know, it's these you know, these spaces, these you know, it's getting back to making space or taking space, you know, making new spaces for these conversations to occur.
2: Here's Robbie Lewis. You
3: know, it it shows like every little part it doesn't have to be a big gathering a big event to acknowledge what you're doing it's almost like say i have a a class go to your house and just not acknowledge thank you for allowing us to use the space like just totally avoid it and but no i appreciate it like it it's it's always, like they always, I always get told it's the little things in life that, that matter. So acknowledging even the land, whether if it's two people there or 2,000.
2: So why does this matter? And who are the territorial acknowledgements really for?
1: Yeah, who are they for is a really good question. Because I, I sometimes wonder. <laughs> I think originally they're for... Indigenous peoples to show that recognition, that that diplomacy that I was talking to you about earlier, and to honor that those kind of diplomatic engagements that we have with with Indigenous peoples of this territory, especially as visitors or as encroachers or as trespassers, however we want to phrase it, right? We're still on this territory, um, and we have to acknowledge how we got here, but also what we're doing here, and so. I, I think the acknowledgements are really good reminders of, at their best, the reminders that I'm on someone else's territory um, and I need that, that connotes certain responsibilities, connotes certain uh, kinds of, uh, I guess, considerations about what that means, right? What does that mean in terms of my actions? And so, at its best, I think. Um, Territorial acknowledgements honor those relationships that we have. They, they renew them because we say them every day, hopefully. We're saying them every day. So it's a renewal of that commitment to if it's restoring the camas, if it's to getting out of the way, <laughs> or if it's, you know, so that indigenous peoples can, can um, reclaim place names and reclaim, you know, spaces. Right. It's the old adage of, you know, are you making space or taking space? Right. So are territorial acknowledgments making space for indigenous peoples, if they are, which I think in their in their ideal, they are. Um, that's that's actually creating whole new openings to conversations and deeper dialogue about what are the implications of this acknowledgement. If they're not at their worst. So I'll, I'll look at it as a kind of a spectrum at their worst they're just something that you read in a monotone and check off right and so i do worry that it becomes so routinized that we don't really think about what we're saying and that we don't um think of the implications right the deeper implications for what we're saying if we're truly talking about you know i've i've seen The word decolonize used in a number of different contexts on campus here. If we're truly getting beyond decolonization as a metaphor, which is what Tuck and Yang talk about, right, it has meaning. It has to talk about the land. If we're talking about decolonization, we've got to talk about substantive relationships to the land. If we're truly talking about decolonizing, then we have to go way beyond the territorial acknowledgments. That's just a starting point. That's an entry point to a deeper conversation and deeper actions. Uh, towards, um, you know, resurgence and towards, uh, in a sense, um, revitalizing or helping um, with the revitalization of, of, you know, land culture and community relationships. You know, it's, I think what I can do is I can unmask some of the colonial structures that exist on, you know, on campus and off campus and and try to peel back those things so that we can really see uh, the true nature of the relationship.
2: Colin and Steve from the NSU suggested that there could be a required education at UVic around Indigenous history of Canada because it has a huge impact.
6: And I think that kind of education would be so critical, especially with you know Canada as a whole, like everything we're studying relates to a particular sector or industry that, you know, is grounded in the colonial context. And so if we have people thinking critically about the land they're on and actually, you know, reflecting on their position and what kind of influence they have on, I guess, colonialism, then you know, I think that could make the biggest difference, like at this point, just actually getting people to think about it rather than just, you know, making it a, an empty habit of territory acknowledgement.
2: For Maggie, understanding the importance of territorial acknowledgement is closely tied to the understanding of Canada's complicated history with Indigenous people.
5: I think there's a lot of people who grew up white in a white family in a white town and never ever thought about indigenous people other than maybe when their father talked about the drunk indians downtown <laughs> and i don't know they get here and they have all these you know racist prejudices and all they when it comes to indigenous issues their opinion is that oh they're just complaining they just want more it's in the past they should get over it and all that sort of stuff which is really really painful to hear but it's not in the past it like happens today like literally like they don't understand you know that indigenous peoples don't choose to have problems like I don't know and so I think by being exposed to like small things like that it like those active resurgence that involve non-indigenous peoples learning I think are really powerful because you know it helps that a little bit like in Indigenous Studies 100 like you hear so many people saying things like that saying things like oh well I thought you know this 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 I thought this this and they're like really stupid things to say <laughs> but you can't even get mad at them because they're learning and they're recognizing that they were wrong and it's making a difference that they're just hearing these little things that it might seem like common sense to me but they really just never knew. The people who went to residential school aren't history no (laughs) they're people you see on the street and I don't mean like street entrenched populations either I mean like you could pass by someone on the street who's indigenous and like went to residential school and they might be like in their honestly 40s or 50s -hmm. like honestly 30s like it's and, and then that's not even, residential schools are one atrocity, you know, but the 60s scoop until now, indigenous children being ripped away from their families, that's, the same thing that happened in residential schools is still happening now to indigenous children. It's just not in a history. a different way. Yeah.
2: They just call it something else. Literally.
5: And, I don't know, and so for all of this really, like, intense history, to be boiled down to, don't forget, folks, this isn't your land. Anyway, here's Ancient Greek 101.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a very fair point. That is, I guess, because there is so much, so much heavy history behind those that to say them in such a casual or checklist manner is super demeaning.
5: Like, but then at the same time, I don't want people to think that they can't touch on subjects of, Indigenous issues because it's too heavy, it's too no, deep. I don't have to get think, into it. Yeah, yeah, I just
2: think that you need to say it or like talk about it with like a purpose. Yeah, because that's not. It's like not a checkbox thing.
5: It like it needs to be meaningful. Like so, if you know you're you're an ancient Greek 101, <laughs> my favorite class. Um,
2: Are you hoping your teacher hears <laughs> that?
5: <laughs> Hi, Doctor Nugent. <laughs> <laughs> and you. So it's, like, in the syllabus, and, like, I know it wasn't done, like, I don't know, like, to be like, oh, there it is, now it's done, right? But at the same time, if you put it in your syllabus, when you go over your syllabus on the first day, do you mention it? Or do you look over and go, oh, no, not that part, okay, yeah, my office hours. Do you mention it? If you mention it, so what, like... You say what territory we're on, and then what? Do you just keep going, or do you, you know, pause for a second and say, this affects us because our being here is directly related to a huge history of, like, Indigenous issues.
2: Our executive producer, Mary Decker, talked to a representative from the university to get their perspective on some of the criticisms of territorial acknowledgements at UVic.
0: Hello. Hello. Okay, um, I'm just going to test my levels and make sure that I'm not super loud. I spoke to Rabina Thomas over the phone.
7: I am a member of Lyaqsin First Nation. I am the Executive Director, Indigenous Academic and Community Engagement at UVAC and I hold a faculty position in the School of Social Work.
0: And wanted to know what she really thought about territorial acknowledgements being perceived as empty or meaningless. Can you understand that from a, like, that perspective, or what do you think about that?
7: Well, I think that that's probably absolutely um, the way it is for some people. I don't agree. It shouldn't be. So yes, I think some people think just by saying yeah, you're here, you know, we're here on this land, blah, blah blah blah, carry on, and it's meaningless. You know, I guess you know maybe deep down inside they feel that they're doing the right thing by doing that. It is a concern of mine. It's always been a concern of mine. You know, you you need to you need to create a statement that's meaningful for you, and we really encourage people not to let it become so rote that. It doesn't sound like it's um, being done with respect and honor. Right.
0: And so like some of the the other feedback was that like they don't um, sort of include the or don't put enough emphasis on the relationship between um, the the university here and the the people of this land. Do you think that um, UVic is doing enough to prioritize space for, for that in classes and events?
7: It's you, Vic. You know, it's really hard to speak for the whole university. Of course, yeah. Are there pockets? Yeah. Are there pockets? There are pockets um, at this university that are doing amazing. And, you know, I really want to stress that there's pockets on at the University of Victoria that have been doing this work for many, many years, way before um, the release of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. And so um, are we doing enough? Um, You know, from an Indigenous perspective, probably we would say, you know, we would be really far stretched to say, absolutely, we're doing enough. But it's it's not so much about doing enough as it is about doing the right thing. We still have a ways to go, but there is a commitment to doing this work. Rubina
0: talked about the meaningful acts that UVic does undertake, which include the JID program, which is the first Indigenous law degree of its kind in the world. She also mentioned that one of the strategies in Yuvik's strategic framework is to foster respect and reconciliation. But I also asked Rubina about the smaller, more everyday acts that have come up so far. Yeah, those like those tiny little acts that might seem like not as important, but they're they're really important. And we were kind of talking about um like there was that uh that guerrilla gardening movement where they tried to plant a bunch of uh Quetla on the grounds and UVic was really like not okay with it and then there was also like a move to um to uh change the the building names to reflect indigenous land title uh and and it's like those little acts that kind of get rejected that don't seem as important and that's that's also an issue
7: well you know i don't i don't know about the gardening program and i'm sorry i don't know about that one with some of the naming um the naming buildings we have actually been in conversation i have been in conversation with some of so we have an elders voices which is like an an advisory group that that i touch i touch stone um for when i do any before i go out and do any other kind of work and um and we have been in touch with the, the elders advisory to talk about naming and it's a really complicated um process and so we've started to look into that. So I don't, um, I don't think it's correct to say the university is not open to renaming.
0: So renaming is still on the table, and no word on whether a new chemist garden is on the horizon at Uvic. But Rabina still thinks that Uvic is making those everyday moves towards decolonization.
7: And and I think um, you're absolutely right. It is only the beginning. And are are we making the space and? Um, and we are we are starting to make the space. And I think there's lots of little, like you said, um there's a lot of little bits of movement where they make that space. And I think about um, I think about you know, in the First people's house, there's always something going on. And every one of those events that happen create a little bit of space. There's definitely a commitment. and and I believe that there's there's a will to do this work in. In a really good way, we we have a teaching, um, please bring in your good feelings. And, and I think that, um, you know, certainly my feeling is that there are so many people that really want to do this work in a good way. I think there's a fear of doing the work and not doing it right. Um, but sometimes we won't know if we can't do it right if we don't start it.
0: And starting is sometimes the hardest part. I brought up the education piece that some other people had mentioned.
7: We've been—I I personally have been watching um, the mandatory Indigenous courses across the country, and you know, there's there's a part of me. So I'm, I'm I'm a social work educator. I have a faculty position in the School of Social Work, and we've been we've been um, have core courses Indigenous core courses as a part of the curriculum for well, over 20 years now, and. When we first started, they were pretty rough, and people didn't understand why did you have to take an Indigenous course. And so the thing about a mandatory course is that it takes a while for it to, to be able to become a core part of, of what a, an institution offers. Across Canada, you know, I've, I've heard really mixed reviews. I've heard that sometimes Indigenous field, students um, feel that it's not a safe place to be because people don't get some of the issues and, and, and then, you know, they're in a course that they have to take and they don't understand why they have to take it. And so, you know, it's, it's really complex and complicated and it's just something we need to continue to work through. But um, I think that just because it's complicated and complex doesn't mean we're not going to look at it.
0: Rabina understands that territorial acknowledgements and work around Indigenous issues are not something that's important to everyone. And she recognized that some people who are rattling off a territorial acknowledgement without much thought really think that they're just doing the right thing. But to her, the work she does matters, and it's not going to stop her from continuing to improve and do better.
7: There are some people that really just are not interested. And, and that's, I think that it'll be that way... Um, it'll be that way probably for a while, right? And I'm really committed to the work that I do, and I get up every day thinking about it. Um, and and I hope that it's not meaningless to other people, right? And But sometimes it will be.
2: Going back to Maggie's question, so what? What are we truly doing to recognize the Indigenous people of this land and their history? It's an ongoing conversation, but it's incomplete, and there's no perfect way to acknowledge our history and wrongdoings. There is no answer, only questions, questions that you should feel empowered to ask. This conversation left a lot of things out, but we hope that it incites a dialogue for you and your community. Remembering that we are all learning is important, and that it's okay to be uncomfortable and to be educated by someone we'll leave you with this question. How are you benefiting the community and the Songhees and Los land we're on? This episode of You in the Ring was produced by Brendan McGee with help from Elizabeth Davolis, Silas Cernay, and Matthew Hetherington. Our executive producer is Mary Decker. A heartfelt thank you to our guests on this episode, Robbie Lewis, Dr. Jeff Corntassel, Steve Farina, Colin Sutherland-Wilson, Maggie Easton, and Rabina Thomas. This program is made possible by the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the UVic Student Awards and Financial Aid Work Study Program. Don't forget to catch next week's episode of You in the Ring and to subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you get your podcasts.
0: This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by Grad House. One of the best-kept secrets on campus, the Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you're sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop of UVic, the Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with your friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here.